Week 3, Day 5. A beautiful symmetry. I'm AJ Venegas. I'm the Community Group Director here at Three Crosses. And congratulations, you have made it to the close of Book 1. Today we're going to conclude this section by looking at Psalms 35 to 41. But first, I'd like to take this moment to pause and recap what we've learned so far. I'd encourage you and your group, if you're walking through this with them, to spend some time at this three-week mark reviewing what you've learned so far or catch up on any episodes that you might have missed. In Psalm 1, we learn that a blessed life comes when we delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night. This blessing is not equivalent to success or the easy life. Rather, God's word roots us like a tree so that when the harsh winds of trials come our way, we are firmly grounded in God's truth. On the other hand, when the wicked face the same harsh wind, they're blown away like chaff. And chaff is basically an agricultural material that's easily blown away. Over the past several weeks, the most challenging question has been what exactly happens when the wicked seem to be the ones prospering. In Psalm 2, we find entire nations causing uproar. Yet we're told that God laughs at those who plot against him. We're told to hold on to the hope of the anointed one, the Messiah who will be like a son to God. These two themes set us up for the main question of this series. How can the law of the Lord and the promise of Messiah's rule actually help me when I'm in the middle of my lowest, most challenging and excruciatingly painful moment in life? This question set us on a journey to explore the life of King David, a man after God's own heart and the primary example of a blessed Messiah to the Israelites. In the twist of events, we meet David on the run, constantly crying out to the Lord, arise, where are you? When will you come? Oh Lord, will my situation ever be turned around? Will I ever see your justice? This week we learned that in the midst of our trial, we can find refuge and comfort by being in the presence of the Lord. We also looked at how God is and always will be intimately involved with the Messiah's rule. Finally, we learned how important it is to hold on to God's revelation found in creation itself, the law of the Lord, and the forgiveness of sins. And oh yeah, don't you just love Psalm 19? Okay, let's jump into our section today, Psalm 35 to 41. One of my favorite things about studying the Bible has been identifying different patterns. In my own personal study, what I have enjoyed is taking a large section of the Bible and summarizing what seem to be the main concepts and then mapping them out on a sheet of paper or a larger whiteboard. Then after I read through the text, I'll pause and take a step back and look at the map. What are the different patterns that I see? What journey is the author trying to take us on in the section? Sometimes there is no pattern at all, but other times the pattern stands out like a bright neon sign in the night. I believe this section is one of those times. Let me walk us through this pattern and what it means. Let's begin with Psalm 35 verses 1 to 3 and 22 to 24. Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and rise for my help. Draw the spear and javelin against my pursuers. Say to my soul, I am your salvation. You have seen, O Lord, be not silent. 
O Lord, be not far from me. Awake and rouse yourself for my vindication, for my cause, my God and my Lord. Vindicate me, O Lord, my God, according to your righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. Okay, now let's take a step back. What do you see? What words stand out to you in this passage? Contend, salvation, vindicate, righteousness. What I see in this text is David making a plea for God's justice to to fall on his situation. Like we've seen, David's trials do not cease to exist, but he has come a long way to grasp a new divine perspective. Let's hold on to this justice introduction, put it in our back pocket, and keep moving. Psalm 36, verses 5 to 9. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. What stands out to you in these couple of verses? God's steadfast love, his faithfulness, his righteousness. God's house is a refuge. The space under his wings is like a river and a good light. It seems that David is speaking about the glory of God's dwelling place and his presence. All of these themes we talked about in the previous episode. But what about the other themes that we've seen so far? Let's move on to Psalm 37. In verses 1 through 8 and 34, David says, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. Now, you would think that this collection of wise sayings would be found in another book, say the book of Proverbs. Believe it or not, this is still the book of Psalms. However, just like the Proverbs, this unique alphabet poem is meant to teach the clear distinctions between good and evil. If we, say, meditate on these teachings of the Lord day and night, how helpful will this perspective be in the midst of our trials? Sounds like a theme we've covered, right? I think so. So we've seen a cry for justice, a call to exist in God's dwelling space, an exhortation to meditate on the law and the teachings of the Lord. What's missing? There's no coincidence that at the very center of Psalms 35 to 41 is an extremely powerful word from David, Israel's anointed one himself. Yet. His words might not be what you think. 
Psalm 38 verses 17 and 21 to 22. David says this, For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. The psalmist places this psalm right at the middle of this section as an intentional message to us as readers. It's as if the Bible is shouting out loud to us, hey, pay attention, this is really important. Why? Because at the heart of the Psalms and all of scripture is our search for the Messiah. Yet David is admitting that as the Messiah of Israel, his sin has bested him. Oh Lord, if we only knew of a Messiah who has conquered the problem of sin. This was the cry of the Israelites in their situation. This is the reason we rejoice today. Now here's where things get really cool. One of my favorite movies is Avengers Endgame. Why bring this up right now? Well, if you have seen it, you know that someone behind the scenes worked extremely hard to rewatch all of the previous Avengers movies up to that moment. And because of that hard work, they were able to do these callbacks to previous themes and encounters that we've enjoyed years ago. That nostalgic experience was tremendous. I've never seen a movie theater screaming at the top of their lungs, reacting so energetically. I think their reaction to this movie reveals something about human beings. It reveals that our souls resonate with these callbacks. We resonate with symmetry. Okay, now check this out. If we move symmetrically like a mirror from the middle psalm about David's sin, we should expect a psalm that resembles some sort of wisdom literature, like Proverbs. I invite you to Psalm 39. Verses 4 to 6 says, O Lord, make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Surely for nothing they are in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. Hmm. Fleeting days. Existing as a breath or a shadow. Doesn't this sound an awful lot like Ecclesiastes? Fascinating, isn't it? It's as if David and the Psalms are constantly encouraging us to engage with the depth of Scripture. Blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on God's word day and night. Now, if you're catching on with the pattern, perhaps you can anticipate what is next. Maybe something about being brought back into God's presence, perhaps. Welcome to Psalm 40. Verses 1 to 4 and 9 to 10 say this. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained 
my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Take a step back for a moment. Steadfast love, faithfulness, restoration, salvation, deliverance, all things bringing us back into God's presence. I promise I'm not making this stuff up. Read them for yourself, map them out and step back. The author of the Bible is amazing to say the least. The point here seems to be that out of God's steadfast love and faithfulness, he is going to intervene and deliver us into his presence. Over the last three weeks, we hope that you have seen why it might be valuable to take a step back and understand the flow of the book of Psalms. Book one is full of unbelievable Psalms that can surely stand on their own. But if we take a moment to step back, we begin to see an entire trajectory of David's life. We meet David as a king on the run. We see the different truths he holds onto in his trials. And now we see David clinging on to the steadfast covenant love of God, confident that God is in control and will distribute justice properly. Yet he's still dealing with the problem of sin. As you move forward into book two, let's continue to follow the different patterns and trajectories that help us adopt that divine perspective on life. But for now, I'd like to close right where this section began final justice from everlasting to everlasting. If you want to memorize this last verse in this section, this is a great verse to memorize. Psalm 41, 11 to 13. By this, I know that you delight in me. My enemy will not shout and triumph over me, but you have upheld me because of my integrity and set me in your presence forever. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Amen.